Blackhawks fans, welcome into the Four Feathers Podcast. It's Johnny Nani alongside Ron Luce, bringing you Season 5, Episode 21 of the Four Feathers Podcast. Ron, hit it. Ooh, Hashtag nice. crack em. Crack em, baby. Yeah, good, good little uh, happy hour on a Monday afternoon here, Ron. Uh, talking Blackhawks hockey with you. Good to be back on the mic. Um, it was a little bit of a rough road trip, but they did salvage one on Sunday. So we've got a lot of good stuff to get into. How are you doing, first and foremost? Johnny, for it being a Monday uh, for a blizzard coming into the Chicagoland area on Tuesday, I'm, I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Yeah, blizzard of a different sort has already hit the Blackhawks. And we'll talk about that, uh, especially on the injury front there. We've also got, uh, you know, those games that just happened here to discuss NHL All-Star Game uh, announcements coming there. Uh, a couple of new Blackhawks forwards, World Juniors results. We'll ruffle some feathers, do some stick taps, and look at what's on tap next as well as we always do here on the Four Feathers Podcast. Before we get into any of that, make sure you go and subscribe over on YouTube at ONTAP Sportsnet there. Press the little like subscribe uh, alert button so you know when we go live, jump in the comment section there so we can feature them right below us right here and give us a follow on social media at Four Feathers Pod at ONTAP Sportsnet and check out ONTAPSportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Okay. Let's hit it. Get right into it, Ron. Last three games here. I predicted they were going to go 0-3 and 0. Um, I believe. Did you have 0-2 and 1? And we were both wrong. And I'm glad for that. We were both wrong, Johnny, and it was nice. Yeah, I thought they were going to get an OT loss in there somewhere, but uh, it ended up becoming two points instead of one. So that's a refreshing change of pace. And Johnny, like you said on the last show, when we're negative, it's nice to be wrong. Absolutely, Ron. Um, I did just with how banged up they were already, and this is even before the, the next couple of injuries we're about to talk about. Um, I just thought that they were just so depleting going against teams like that. And, and then that Sunday matinee game, I just didn't, I didn't, I don't feel good about those. I just feel like they haven't gotten up for those, right? We saw a game earlier in the year against St. Louis where they didn't really get that. But even with that ragtag banged up squad, they were able to pull out a win on Sunday against Calgary. So we're both wrong in our predictions here. Don't listen to us ever again. That's that's all I've got on that front. Let's dive into the game, Ron. Not a whole lot to write home about from Thursday's loss uh, against the New York Rangers, 4-1 to one at MSG. Connor Bedard's first time there. But Colin Blackwell, only one to score here. And this would start a little bit of a spark for him. Yeah, Colin Blackwell, Johnny, ever since he's returned to the lineup, has just been a spark plug, really, for this Blackhawks team. Whether it was his return against Colorado with the big hit on Nathan McKinnon at the end of the game to kind of ruffle the feathers of the Colorado Avalanche, or whether it was just him getting on the score sheet. Uh, he, he's been a nice change of pace player, and dare I say, Johnny, a guy that especially after last season where he probably didn't live up to the hype after coming off, uh, you know, that year where he had a nice scoring season in, in that shortened 2020 season, a lot of hype kind of coming around him for the 1.2 for two years that he signed with the Blackhawks, but you're two of the deal, Johnny. I mean, he's probably been one of their better forwards in what the last two, three, maybe even month here uh, in terms of weeks that we're looking at it. Colin Blackwell has been really playing some good hockey. It's a job Blackwell done by Mr. Colin Blackwell. Ha -ha, I like that. I like that, Ron. Give me the family guy ostrich over that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, that won't be the last we hear of Blackwell. So I'm going to save a little bit more of my takes for him when we get to the next game involving him uh, as one of our topics here. Let's go to the other one in that New York metro area. 
absolute bloodbath on Friday against New Jersey in every sense of the word. Um, Blackhawks lose that game four to two. Um, but more importantly in this one, Ron, both Connor Bedard and Nick Foligno go down with injuries. Uh, we saw the hit. Um, it was Connor Bedard in the first period entering the zone on a power play, got absolutely smoked by Brendan Smith on a hit. Uh, and then Nick, Fol- you know, th- there was a mob after that Philip Kershev, Nick Foligno going after him immediately, a little bit more chippiness throughout the game, Connor Murphy throwing hits and then Nick Foligno fighting and eventually fracturing a finger um, while he was defending Connor Bedard in a fight with Brendan Smith later in this game. Let's start at the top with these injuries here. And was the hit on Connor Bedard from Brendan Smith clean? You know, Johnny, it's it certainly, I don't think the league likes seeing guys when they're giving hits going to the head area of a player, right? Like just upper body in general is always like, you want shoulder, you want to try and keep it clean. That being said, I don't think it was a dirty hit per se. I, I don't think Brennan Smith's intention was to purposely fracture Connor Bedard's jaw. I don't think that was the intent at all. I think he just caught him awkwardly because you kind of saw Bedard start to dip his head down and look more at the puck than at the defender in front of him. I think it's just one of those bang bang plays in hockey, Johnny, that unfortunately went in the favor of the devils, I guess, in this case, if you could say really anybody comes out of this on top, when you get a player like that hurt, the league certainly doesn't come out on top. Right. When you lose a superstar like Connor Bedard, uh, especially with what's on the horizon. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but it, it, it's just, I think it was a, just a bang, bang play, Johnny. I really don't think it was dirty. I, I know Chad, uh, Chad Luke Richardson or Mr. CLR said, um, you know, that he didn't really think it was dirty either. I don't think it was. It, it just was one of those unfortunate plays that unfortunately here and there occur in the game of hockey. Right. I would have to agree with you. I think it's clean. This was not a Jacob Truba raising the elbow situation as he is known to do. Um, he has a track record of it, right? You know, Brendan Smith, a big, strong, solid defenseman for the New Jersey Devils. Um, and left winger, Johnny, because he's been so bad at defense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, I, I, I rewatched the hit. I watched it in slow-mo and sure, you know, you have to think about it, the refs in real time and all of that. Uh, taking into consideration, was it clean? Was it dirty? Um, I still, I stand by the fact that it was clean. I I just had to ask you because we got a couple different perspectives uh, after the game and Boris Kachuk said, everybody knew it was dirty. Well, Boris, I don't know about that because I thought it was pretty clean. A lot of people elsewhere thought it was pretty clean, both in Blackhawks and devils and just general NHL land. And then you get the flip side of it where Luke Richardson said he didn't really think it was dirty either. So maybe that was just a source of trying to, you know, draw the boys together, especially with all the adversity that they've had to fight through given all of these injuries that were already on the books, Ron, maybe that's what Boris Kachuk meant by that but the way that he said it it's uh, he was pretty definitive that you know they thought it was dirty so they responded in kind that's the way it goes i thought it was a clean hit though it's very unfortunate that Connor bedard's out now for probably at least a month i'll uh, we'll get into some injury timelines in a little bit here but um i can't say the hit was dirty i can't sit here and tell you that as a hockey fan Agreed. Agreed 100%, Johnny. And I mean, while we're on the topic of Boris Kashuk, really cool to see him score in that game against the Devils. But um, at the end of the day, I think we're, yeah, how do you the like celly. it now? The celly. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think in this case, I think most people agree with with Chad Luke Richardson's take more so than, than Boris Kachuk's take on the hit. It just, again, an unfortunate play in the game of hockey that it happens. It's happened on more than one occasion. But Johnny, just remember, Connor McDavid got hurt in his rookie season and missed some time, some significant time too, as well. Um, 
you know, and he's turned out okay. I think I think yeah. Connor Bernard will be just fine. Right. Yeah. It's an initial shock to you too, because you know, Connor Bernard is carrying the team in terms of leading in points and goals. It's <laughs> so all of that, all, all the stat figures that, that you can uh, you know drum up there. Connor Bernard was the leader of that. So it's like, you know, where do the Blackhawks go from here? Um, and we'll get into all, all of these injuries, their impact in a little bit. But one last game then. Uh Blackhawks lost that game against New Jersey, four to two, like I mentioned, but they came out Sunday. And pulled out a 4-3 win against the Calgary Flames with a couple of new faces in the lineup uh, with a ragtag bunch with like Cole Gutman centering the second line and, you know, or Jason Dickinson. And then you got, you know, Colin Blackwell playing up, you know, where he's usually a bottom six player there. And they're able to pull out a 4-3 win. How did they do it, Ron? You know, Johnny, sometimes it really is just a case of you need to come out and you need to be the better team and you need to be ready to play. We talked about why why do we hate these matinee games? Because half the time they come out and they hit the snooze button. Johnny, I think the one thing we also have to realize here, you look up and down this lineup right now because of a lot of the injuries and stuff. The youth are still here, but it's a lot of these guys that are playing for jobs now that have been elevated in the Blackhawks lineup. And I think that's what you saw on Sunday where these guys just came out and said, Hey, we've got the our backs against the wall. Nobody is going to expect us to win any games right now with Connor Bedard on the sidelines. Let's go out and surprise some people at this two o'clock puck drop at the United center, a sold out crowd. May I add at the United center on Sunday afternoon, which is pretty awesome to see. And they got the job done, Johnny. You love to see it. You love to see just the team pick themselves up, especially after the devastating news following that game against the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, um, I'll attribute it to a little bit of a simplified approach, uh, kind of piggybacking off of what you had said there with the personnel that's in there in terms of fighting for jobs and all of that. Well, um, the best way to get noticed, right, is to get on the score sheet. So I felt like they were they simplified things a little bit in terms of not being afraid to just fire the puck on net when uh, even if it wasn't the prettiest scoring chance, so to say, or even if someone wasn't, you know, blatantly open. Right. Uh, and you saw that result in a couple of goals. Philip Kershev gets a little bank in off of Dan Vladar. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev gets a little help from a con uh, from a Calgary Flames defenseman out in front, hitting off of his skate there on a shot kind of from the right point there. Um, th that kind of stuff, you know, you're not going to get the puck in the net if you don't fire it towards there and the simplified approach you know, ended up working out for him. Sometimes you get a couple lucky breaks. So I'll tribute it to that. Yeah, surely you love to see it. And then again, while we're kind of on the topic of a job, well, Blackwell done two goals from Colin Blackwell in this one, Johnny. And that first one, I don't know about you. I enjoyed the hell out of it. That yep. was a nice little snipe from the left, uh, left wing faceoff dot. Just good to see Blackwell again. He looks healthy. He's out there buzzing, and he really has. He's been an energy guy for this Blackhawks team ever since he's returned to the lineup. And he had some interesting comments, maybe, you know, part of a source of where he's drawing this uh, sort of fire from, right? Uh, and that he said that he keeps receipts because a lot of people around the league have been down on him and didn't think that he could play at this level and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and he is using that as motivation, uh, at least based on his post-game comments. I don't hate to see that, Johnny. Uh, keeping receipts is cool and tough, as we like to say, and especially when you could go out there and pot, what, three goals in the last two games? That's pretty cool and tough to see, too, as, as an answer to said receipts. Yeah, right. So um, uh, to recap here, Blackhawks go 1-2-0 and oh in the stretch um, after, you know, since we last talked, and uh, both Ron and I were wrong. So happy to be wrong on that and pick up a win, um, although those first two games, what about, as I expected, maybe minus the couple of injuries. So, um 
We'll further elaborate on those injuries, Ron. This is now a weekly thing, uh, the, the Blackhawks injury report, and it's a novel. Now includes nine names all on IR, not just a couple of day-to-day stingers or illness, whatever, what have you. Nope, but we're full-blown on IR for all of these guys. Joey Anderson, left shoulder. Andreas Athanasiu, groin. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier, left wrist. Connor Bedard, fractured jaw. Got there, it's to say. Uh, Nick Foligno, fractured left finger. Seth Jones, shoulder, Taylor Hall, ACL out for the season, Tyler Johnson, right foot, Taylor Radish, left groin straight, man. Once again, a novel here, but um, but let's circle back on a couple of these new additions here, Ron, because uh, the fractured jaw, Connor Bedard, there's no timeline yet. They're going to see some of the swelling go down before they really make a determination. This is typical four to six week timeline, though, if you just kind of look around the history of these injuries here. So um, the, the impact of this and then not having Nick Foligno either because, you know, he is the de facto, as we call him here with the capital C there. And he's not around then protect maybe some of these other younger guys that may start to take some of uh, the brunt of the other team's uh, physicality. Yeah. I I will say one thing, Johnny, I think with Nick Foligno, I'm not so much concerned about the physical presence being gone as I am just the pure leadership in the locker room. I think that's the bigger loss for the Blackhawks, because as you mentioned, he is the de facto with that capital C right now. He is effectively the captain of this team there is what no doubt about that um it, i think any of our minds whether it's us here at four feathers anybody listening at home uh and even people within the media around the league etc however i think because of these injuries some of these more physical guys are in the lineup now right a mckenzie Entwistle who's surely not afraid to throw the body around reese johnson who we have seen time and time again is willing to get down and dirty and hell Philip Kershev has shown a nice little grit to him, I think, this season, and he's not afraid to help stick up for guys as he did for Connor Bedard against the New Jersey Devils. So, you know, and that that doesn't even end there, right? Boris Kachuk's a physical player. Um, you know, hopefully Taylor Radish is back sooner than later, and it seems like that could be the case. You know, he's a guy that that's a big body, isn't afraid to be physical. Tenorti's a big body, not afraid to be physical, as is Connor Murphy. So the physical presence, I'm not so worried about. I think the Blackhawks may have even gotten more physical because of some of these guys inserting into the lineup here, Johnny. But it is really just that veteran leadership, I think, that they're going to miss most from a guy like Nick Foligno not being on the ice. Right. I, I want to make one last remark about the Connor Bedard injury here. And I'm not saying this is exactly what caused it, but you go and look at the circumstances of this, right? It was a uh, zone entry on a power play. And then, sure, like you'd mentioned, Connor Bedard kind of dips the head a little bit as he's coming towards the center of the ice where Brendan Smith meets him, right? Um, you go look at that whole sequence, though. Uh, you know, Blackhawks got, the, I believe, is their first power play opportunity of the game there. And Kevin Korchinski is skating up center ice, and then he turns around and does the dreaded drop back pass. I understand the thinking behind it and getting the puck in your best playmaker's hands, most shifty guy's hands, right? They would always do it with Patrick Kane, try to get him to be the one bringing it up into the zone with speed. So I understand the theoretical thought process behind that. In practicality, though, Ron, on a power play, you have numbers. You have numbers, literally five on four, or it could be four on three or five on three, whatever. This is a five on four in this scenario. Now, if the guy already has a lane up the middle of the ice and has some speed and has wingers supporting on each side, use those numbers to your advantage as you enter the zone. And you don't have to go and take a massive hit in the center of the ice. You can go and chip it off to a corner as long as your guy has a headway towards the puck there. You're most likely going to recover it with your numbers. 
Instead, we drop it back to Connor Bedard. He comes, you know, has to weave through a few more defenders there. And then he gets put in that situation. So maybe this could be a lesson that this might not always be the best end-all, be-all solution of entering the zone on the power play and maybe kill two birds with one stone, maybe cutting down on injuries, uh, which we need here for the Blackhawks. And then also maybe having a little bit more, um, uh, you know, Act, active activity on the power play at least early in terms of entering the zone and getting set up earlier uh, in these scenarios. I just wanted to lay out the whole situation there because everyone's just going to look at the hit and think that's what it was, and you might not even 100%. realize it's on a power play when you go and rewatch the uh, you know highlight. And just to emphasize too, Johnny, because I think you put that perfectly. It's not even like the Blackhawks say, "Hey, our strategy is if you." have a lane take it if not drop it back to one of these guys with speed which it usually is Connor Bedard or even Philip Kurashev typically on that top power play as those drop back guys it seems like that's become their only option on the power play and I think that makes it worse because not only Johnny to your point right of this this situation is you you kind of change the angle you change the um kind of the strategy where people are on the ice and things like that but it also makes you predictable it allows the other team to stand you up at the blue line. Then if they know that Connor Bedard's getting the puck on a drop back somewhere right before his own blue line and coming through the neutral zone, how do you fix that? To your point, right? If Kevin Gorchinski's coming up the middle of the ice with a head of steam and he sees an opening to get into the zone, guess what? You can still use that drop back ability, get him into the zone, allow him to curl around to one of the, the face-off circles if he's got the space. And then when you have two forwards coming into the zone with speed, then you can hit a pass. Maybe you get a quick shot from Connor Bedard with some some juice behind his shot, and maybe it's just a quick hitter from the, the blue line or even from the, the top of the circles, and it beats the goalie. That's a right. whole nother just, I guess, just... A dynamic that you can unlock, right? Thank yeah. you. Yes, and so... I think that's the the biggest issue too, just to right. emphasize and, on what you said is they've become so predictable because they do it every single freaking time they're on the power play. Right. And then also when you use the drop back pass, you you make those wingers going up the boards go from a position of speed and having to stop then and start pumping their legs again going into the zone. So then they're trailing their own guy going into the zone. And I just, like I said, I feel like you can generate a little bit more momentum and get set up earlier uh, if you don't have to resort to the drop back pass every single time. So we're going to, we're going to clip this and we're going to send this to, to CLR real quick. Hey, just think about it. Just think about it. Like, just think about it. Like I said, I understand the, 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 um, that maneuver in theory I do, but, in practicality, it's not always, you know, the solution, right? So I'll Absolutely. just leave it at that in terms of the setup on that injury. Rest of these, Ron, uh, since we're on injury report here, um, about the only ones we have any real update on are um, Joey Anderson, uh, Seth Jones, and Taylor Radish. They all skated after practice on Saturday. I know they have a little bit varying timelines there, um, but we haven't heard anything really uh, on the Beauvillier front on uh, Athanasiu. We feel like that's been you know, um, the biggest mystery surrounding the Blackhawks for, you know, since early November now. Um, and then obviously Taylor Hall's out. Uh, Tyler Johnson, haven't heard anything on him. But, you know, may- maybe it's sounding like, it, and they didn't practice today, so no further updates from today. But from yesterday's uh, report and then what Luke Richardson had said while they were on the road trip, sounds like Seth Jones might be the first one of uh, this group back. Yeah, it, it would be. He's a guy that you would love to get back if we're being entirely honest. I think the defense could use the the uptick from a guy like Seth Jones. And really, you know, with 
potentially being not too far behind, as you mentioned, all three of them skating on Saturday. With the depleted forward group, a Joey Anderson and even a Taylor Radish right now are welcoming returns at some point here in the near future to the lineup. But I think the the group that gets the biggest boost is Seth Jones. I think if there's any player that at least I would hope that Blackhawks fans have now understood what value he brings to the team, it's Seth Jones. He's your workhorse defenseman. He plays 25-plus minutes almost every single night, and he can give you a little bit of that offensive flair too, and especially with guys like Connor Bedard and Nick Foligno and some of your other leading scorers right now just down for the count with injury. I think Seth Jones will be a welcome addition. So hopefully we'll see him back sooner than later, John, like you said. Um, and really, all again, all three of those guys, I think that at least skated on Saturday. Getting them back in the lineup is going to be big because Joey Anderson was playing some really good hockey before mm-hmm. he got hurt. And then obviously Taylor Radish, we saw the offensive upside last year with 20 goals. He's been a little cold so far this year, but again, with the extended opportunity now, maybe he gets a little bit more tick and a little bit more look in terms of goal scoring here in the near future with guys like Connor Bedard down. Right. And Joey Anderson, too, is only a short stint from when he was called up from Rockford until he got injured, but he produced five assists in those games and did some good uh, work along the boards in terms of digging pucks out. So I'm you know excited for some of that depth to come back when it does. Once again, no practice here on Monday, January 8th. Um, maybe get an update at Morning Skate if some of those guys potentially join the group do some skating on their own uh so check the four feathers pod account uh on social media uh for further updates on that front okay ron we've got a couple of special events uh to talk about here uh nhl wise and first is the all-star game and hey before the injury happened congrats Connor bedard he was the youngest player in nhl history named to the nhl all-star game so that that's a huge accomplishment in and of itself um speaks to his generational talent living up to that billing however now he's injured, it's putting him in jeopardy of being ready for that first weekend of February when this event takes place. If Connor Bedard can't go, who from the Blackhawks should? Well, Johnny, I, I, it's it's a short list. You and I talked about this here in, in the pre-show to get ready for today's show. And it's a short list of guys. It really is. Um, especially, too, because a lot of the other guys are also battling injury, right? You mentioned last year. Um, when we were talking off air that, you know, the, the kind of de, de facto without the capital C uh, pick last year was Seth Jones, right? He was the big name. He was the only guy left after the, you know, the trades occurred. And, you know, he was the one that was going to get the nod to the all-star game, but even he's been hurt. He's missed a lot of time now uh, with this recent injury. So you look at this list and you go, shit, maybe, Maybe Peter Morazic gets a look, even though a, a 3.26 goals against average goalie usually doesn't appear in the All-Star game, but that's just where we are. Philip Kershev is second on the team in points. He's got eight goals and and 13 helpers, or pardon me, 15 helpers. So 23 points in 33 games is a nice number for him. But Johnny, perhaps one of your favorite players, probably the most likely candidate to go to the All-Star game. Jason Dickinson, how are you now? This guy has been exploding. I saw a little comparison today, Ron. Uh, I know he's got maybe five more games under the belt, but he is scoring at a higher pace than Pierre-Luc Dubois, the, what, $8.2 million man down in L.A.? Might um, be more than that, Johnny. Yeah, 8.5 maybe. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's why he might be on there. Um, but either way, Jason Dickinson has uh, you know stepped up for this Blackhawks team, and he's gotten an increased role. Uh, he's basically what outscored his uh, whole time with the Dallas Stars, which spanned even more seasons. Um, he, he is you know wearing an A now for this Blackhawks team. He stepped into a lot of different roles here, uh, and it's showing up on the stat sheet as well. So I, I would honestly, if you had to pick right now, I'd say it probably has to be Jason Dickinson. 
Yeah, and Johnny, I'll take you one even further. I think the reason that Dickinson makes so much sense, besides everything you just mentioned, you mentioned the 40 games, right? He's only one of two players on this entire Blackhawks roster that has played all 40 games for the team this year. The other one is Connor Murphy. Yeah, best, so, best ability is availability, right? Amen to that. Amen that. to that. But Johnny, I, I, let's keep it going. He's second on the team in goals. He's only two goals behind Connor Bedard with Bedard's got 15 Dickinson's got 13 at this point in the season. But in addition, Johnny, he's only one of two players. And again, I know we've discussed, right? Oh, well, plus minus is a flawed stat and it is, but on how bad this Blackhawks team is, Alex Vlasic is a plus eight, as is Jason Dickinson. Mm. He's the only forward that is better than a plus five. Joey Anderson was a plus five in 13 games before he got hurt. That's a hell of a statement coming from not only is he doing it on the offensive end with the 13 goals, but he's also doing it on the defensive end as a, an exceptional two-way forward. He's only 28 years old. He's coming into his prime now. Johnny, not only if, if Jason Dickinson not only appears for the Blackhawks in this all-star game coming up, I think he's in line for a potential contract to stick around for at least the near future in the city of Chicago. Right. Yep. I think that could uh, very well be the case. So um, we'll have to see what happens. We'll keep you updated on Connor Bedard over at ontipsportsnet.com. But we don't really have a timeline on him right now. So we're just spitting out hypotheticals about who could go if Bedard cannot make the NHL All-Star weekend. All right, Ron, another signature event uh, that has been floated by uh, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet. Um, He believes the Blackhawks will be the host of the 2025 Winter Classic. Now, uh, we, we wrote about that a little bit over at ontapsportsnet.com, our enforcer on the show, uh, Patrick Comiskey. He wrote up a piece about five potential locations for a Blackhawks-hosted Winter Classic round. I don't know if you got to peruse that at all. I thought it was fairly interesting, both the venues and the matchups that he mentioned in that case. If the Blackhawks host this, which it sounds like they're going to, and the reasoning being that the NHL wants to capitalize ratings after the lowest in the event's history this year between the Kraken and the Golden Knights, um, and Connor Bedard has the highest-viewed game. Uh, this year is uh, NHL debut against Sidney Crosby on ESPN uh, on opening night of the NHL season. That is the reason why uh, for anyone whining that, Oh, the Blackhawks are in it again. Well, they're going to go with ratings now, especially after seeing a dip anyway, roundabout for the reasoning there of these potential locations, which you can go and find over at ontapsportsnet.com. Which one would you like to see? Johnny, it's tough, and I don't want to give everything away because I really do want to encourage everybody to go check out Pat's article over at ontapsportsnet.com. He did a great job outlining it with that Patrick Comiskey wit that we all love and appreciate here at Ontap Sportsnet. But, you know, Johnny, there's a couple of intriguing options that would be more kind of mutual site options, very similar to what the Blackhawks did in South Bend at Notre Dame Stadium uh, with the Boston Bruins just a handful of years ago, a game that I was lucky enough to attend. And don't get me wrong, it was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my entire life. But that being said, I, I think it should stay in the city of Chicago. I think it hits differently. It becomes more available to those that are living within the city limits and even outside of the city in just the Chicagoland area as a whole. Soldier Field's already been done, but it can hold the biggest crowd. I think that's an interesting way to do it. Wrigley had the Winter Classic pre-renovations at Wrigley. I think now it would be really cool to see a post-renovation at Wrigley. And being a Cubs fan, I might be sound a little biased there. But I will say, Johnny, and this is I, I will channel the 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 alter ego persona that is south side ron here i think it'd be pretty cool to see a game at guaranteed rate field on the south side because of the tailgating nature which yes you can do with the bears game but it's probably not as abundant as it would be on the south side at guaranteed rate field 
And in addition, Johnny, it would make our friend Tony Marchese very happy when Connor Bedard yeah. scores and the fireworks go off from the scoreboard in center field. So I, I think it would also just make sense then that every outdoor venue in the city of Chicago got the opportunity to host an outdoor game. And I think that would be pretty cool and pretty special. Yeah, right. Uh, they, I believe you said, you know, that was like the last man standing is the way that Comiskey phrased it in terms of, you know, which uh, you know venues like that are available to host that haven't hosted yet. So, yeah, look at the flag uh, over here over my shoulder. I'll go with guaranteed rate field as well, uh, just for my White Sox connections there. I think you laid it out perfectly. It would be sweet to see some, um, you know, fireworks after a goal. And then, man, if I could get that ballpark food in the dead of winter, that would be a nice breakup for the, uh, you know, off season for baseball. You, get a, you know, I'm, you I can, already, get, I can already smell the grilled onions, Ron. Yeah, you get you got to get some grilled onions. So that's how you got to do it, Johnny. Before you get to your seats, you go get the the Polish or the brat with the the grilled onions when you're on the concourse. And then if you're really feeling like a fat ass, you go and get the loaded fries as well over <laughs> yeah, in, in right. right field, right? Yep. And then on top of it, when you get hungry, probably somewhere around the you know the second intermission, because let's be honest, you've probably been tailgating since eight o'clock in the morning and just crushing beers before you know even entering the venue then you got to wander down the left field line go get the cubano pair that with a pacifico on tap <laughs> and johnny you are in heaven in the dead of winter it's gonna feel like baseball season even though it's still another four months away. right it, it'll feel like uh july 1st not january 1st right yeah. yeah yeah all of a sudden we'll be everybody will be mentally sitting there with sunglasses on and shorts on yeah in reality <laughs> you're sitting there with nine layers on doing one of these shivering yeah Right. All right. Uh, yeah. Good discussion there. Uh, go check out on sportsnet.com. Click the Blackhawks tab and you'll be able to find uh, those five potential locations for a Blackhawks hosted winter classic, which sounds like will be the case in 2025 per Elliott, of course. All right. Uh, with all these injuries that we discussed earlier on, uh, Blackhawks brought in a couple of new forwards, one via trade, which you wrote over at on sportsnet.com. So fill us in on Rem Pitlick. Yeah, Johnny, the Chicago Blackhawks acquired forward Rem Pitlick, and I know people are going to go, who the hell is that guy? Well, he was acquired first off for a 2026 seventh rounder, so effectively a flyer at this case. He is a free agent at the end of the season, which, as we've all seen this year with Kyle Davidson's pickups, is right on par with the, his favorite taste in, in contracts that he is acquiring. Uh, but Rem Pitlick is a very interesting player and for a couple of reasons. Not only can he play all three forward spots, he can play both wings as well as center. Gives you some versatility there. He's also had a hell of a track record over the last couple of years just throughout the AHL and NHL. He really burst onto the scene personally, Johnny, for me, um, and, and many people that might listen to the show may recall, that COVID shortened season when we were very dialed in with the Chicago Wolves over on the other side of town. He was still a Nashville Predators prospect at the time. Milwaukee Admirals didn't play that season, so they sent all their prospects to uh, the Chicago Wolves. Just a quick trip down I-94. And Rem Pitlick did not spend a lot of time with the Wolves because in eight games he put up eight goals and two assists. Immediately got recalled, and we never saw him again. Comes up, uh, ended up playing okay with Nashville, didn't do a ton there, but had a really nice season the next year, went to the Minnesota Wild, put up some really good numbers, was traded at the deadline to the Montreal Canadiens. Overall, that course of that season, he played 66 games, 37 points, 15 goals out of him. Earns him a two-year deal in Montreal for about $1.1 million per season. Um, and then after uh, an okay year in Montreal a year ago, uh, 46 games played, I believe, 15 points, give or take, was his total. He was part of the Eric Carlson trade this offseason with Montreal getting involved with the Sharks and the Penguins. He was the piece that Montreal ultimately sent to Pittsburgh. Has spent the whole year in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, but in 32 games at Wilkes-Barre-Scranton put up 24 points. 
nice numbers for a guy who is going to come in here and, and they're really just taking a flyer on a guy. I wrote up that the Blackhawks should have looked at pre 2022, 23 as a guy to take a flyer on um, just because of the season that he had had the year prior. I'm actually kind of excited about the sign of the trade. I know people are probably like, why are you excited about a guy that has been in the AHL all year, but yeah. he's shown a lot. He's a goal scorer. He has shown he's a goal scorer, but again, he brings so many different dynamics to a roster that my argument would be he could find a way to stick around in Chicago because of the ability to play all fo- three forward spots and the ability, Johnny, to not only be a passer, but also be a shooter. All right. Uh, a great breakdown. The only thing I have to add is that he did not uh, appear on Sunday because of travel. Um, the weather uh, delayed that, and uh, he will wear number 20 for the Blackhawks. Those are the other notes I have on Rem Pitlick. Now to mine. Uh, waiver claim on Saturday. Zach Sanford, forward from the Arizona Coyotes, has just had a brief stint out in the desert. Um, he's been around the league. 31-year-old uh, guy, big, big uh, six foot four left wing. Um, he Coming in to the Blackhawks, had 100 points in uh 316 uh, NHL games. Uh, he had split some time between Tucson, uh, the AHL, and, and then the Coyotes got a little small taste with them earlier this season. Um, but uh, you, if you watch the game on Sunday, you already know him because he had an assist in his very first game as a Blackhawk. So um, we'll see what he brings to the table. Once again, kind of a flyer, uh, add some depth here while the Blackhawks are dealing with this novel uh, of an injury report. And uh, my last fun note, he is wearing number 13, last worn previously by uh, Blackhawks legend. Max Domi. You'll love to see it. Yeah. And, and Sanford too, a fun note that I saw. And I, again, I need to start writing these down when people get to give credit because it was such a good take. Zach Sanford, I believe now by joining the Blackhawks has been with five of the seven central division teams in the NHL. So a fun little yeah. note, he's, he's really well-traveled around the central division, which who knows, maybe that works out really well for the Blackhawks throughout the season. Yeah, he, he plays with a little bit of spark then. Yeah, he, he had a long run with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, he was with them, I believe, for the longest stint of his career with one team. So um, now, now he's on the good side. So uh, we have Zach, Zach Sanford and Rem Pitlick in tow uh, to provide depth among the Blackhawks forwards group here. All right, Ron, uh, getting down to the end of the show here. World Juniors, not a whole lot to update from the last time, except that the USA won gold, which we kind of expected because they were the best team at this tournament. Uh, they showed it. So four Blackhawks prospects get their medals there. Very cool experience for Oliver more Frank Nazar, Sam Renzel, um, and uh, who am I blanking on? Gavin Hayes. Gavin Hayes. Gavin Hayes is the other one there. So those guys got their medals. Uh, it was fun to watch the World Juniors, but um, honestly, not really much of a competition even into the tournament stage of it, at least for the U.S. There were a couple of other good games elsewhere. Uh, some like, you know, the Swiss and the Swedes went to overtime, and like there were a couple other ones, but uh, you, Team USA handled Latvia, I believe. Oliver Moore had a goal in that quarterfinal game, uh, and then they walked through the rest of it and eventually pulled away from Sweden despite being close early on in that game. So, um, you know, things got a little bit chippy there, but they held their own. Good for those guys uh, getting that experience. 100%. And I think even more impressive, Johnny, is that Sweden was the host country, right? That was the year for them to win it at home. And they went to the gold medal game and it was all yellow jerseys in the crowd. But at the end of the day, it was not the Swedish national anthem playing when the gold medals were presented. It was the United States national anthem. Yeah, I, I, I just got to say on that front, Ron, like you had said, with the Sweden hosting and then being the home crowd, I loved when it, it was so American. I felt like Kenny Powers, you know, when his nephew's shooting the machine gun and he's doing the, you know, that's what I felt like whenever I heard <laughs> whenever I heard the boys are back in town drowning out the Swedes' little chants that they do during the game. It was just American as fuck. 
It was it was incredible. I think on top of it too, John. I don't know if you saw the clip. I forget which player it was, but when he was in the box and he was almost like taunting the Swedish fans because he's like, "Yeah, what are you gonna do?" And they they're just out there having fun. But that was a hell of a USA team, man. And honestly, I think the fact that there was four Blackhawks prospects as a part of that has to make Blackhawks fans excited too, because that's really, really valuable experience for all those guys winning a gold medal at the world juniors. Right. Yeah. I wish we, you know, it'd be cool to see like a little more goal production. Cause those were like the highlights come from, but Frank Nazar dished a bunch of assists was really effective when you go and look at like the underlying metrics there. One of the Oliver, top graded players in the entire yeah, tournament. John. Oliver Moore is still fast as all hell, even in limited minutes there. So that kind of stuff is exciting to see. So future. Future on displays. Break out the SpongeBob meme. Okay. (laughs) On to our regular weekly segments here. I don't have one, but you do. Let's ruffle some feathers, Ron. Oh, Johnny, I'm going to ruffle some feathers. And this one is brought to you, ladies and gentlemen, by our great friend and co-host, Mr. Tony Marchese. Because Tony Marchese told me, Johnny, especially after Connor Bedard got hurt, that he is not high on the Hawks, like he always likes to say on our show. Well, Johnny, I told him that you know, the, the Blackhawks are going to get better and they're going to improve and they're, they're going to build. And he goes, well, I want them to go sign people, Johnny. I want them, I want them to go and get people. I want them to improve. And I said, well, Tony, they're not going to blow their load all in free agency. We saw what William Nylander just got from the Toronto Maple Leafs now to be off the free agent market entering this year. And I've seen a lot of Blackhawks fans getting upset at the report that the Blackhawks probably weren't going to spend on the top free agents, but Johnny ignorance is something that I have become accustomed to with what we do here at Four Feathers. Ignorance, because people look at the first two or three names of the free agent market and say, well, if the Hawks don't get one of them, it's just, it's not going to work. Well, you know what is going to work, Johnny? It's a deep free agency class, because there are plenty of guys in this free agency class that are still talented, that are not going to get seven-year deals or six-year deals in free agency for big money, but rather might just be looking to get a little bit more than they probably would from contenders in order to boost their stock. One- and two-year deals. A guy maybe that we would love to see who is very disgruntled with his current situation, despite being a franchise legend, 33 years old, but he can still put the puck in the net and would look really nice on Connor Bedard's wing. What about Steven Stamkos on potentially a two or a three year deal for the Blackhawks? So it just goes to show that even though the Blackhawks might not be in the topic for a Sam Reinhart or now a William Nylander, now that he's off the market, just because they're not going to be in the mix for guys that are going to want nine, 10 million dollars per season for more than three or four years does not mean the Blackhawks can't get better in this upcoming free agency period and can't give Connor Bedard help. So stop being ignorant. Stop being pessimists. Kyle Davidson has a plan. They can still improve in free agency. Do not put, do do not get too far ahead of yourself because I think people are getting way too concerned about something that let's be honest, Johnny is still months away until it even matters about what the Blackhawks do come July 1st. So that is my rough some feathers. Johnny is don't be ignorant and don't get ahead of yourself. The Blackhawks can still get better without adding top free agents. I understand the desire. I get it. It's, you know, it's, it's it's fun to play armchair GM, GM, Ron, you you know, all about that, right? So I do understand that, but as I read the uh, post from Scott powers and I think he outlined it and I feel like that's, pretty damn consistent with the messaging that Kyle Davidson has given us. So if you've actually paid attention and read between the lines of some of his comments, none of this was entirely shocking to me at least. So um, I know we have an outrage. We have an outrage culture because everybody wants that shiny toy at the top of the class, right? I get it. I get it. I get it. 
Well, in the however, problem- I'm I'm also like I said, I understand the state of this team, where it's going, um, and where what their timeline is. Still, you're not really ready for it next year, and I understand you got to get them when you can. Um, but if there's going to be other guys in the future that are going to be on the market after for, for like future seasons, think Mitch Marner, right? Um, there you go. That's the what you're going to be looking at on the The future. 2025 free agency class, Johnny, just to round this thought out here. First off, yes. And let's be honest. The Blackhawks signed too many long-term deals at big money. Guess what happens? You sign Bedard right. to his we, mega deal, and then now, you're in cap hell again. I was just going to say, are we are we clamoring to get back to Stanbo spending days? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't no, think not quite yet. shouldn't be, at least. No, <laughs> not until this team's a little closer to being a true contender. And, Johnny, the 2025 free agency class, if they are going to go into one free agency class in the next two years and give – a five or a six year deal at some real, real meaningful money. I would rather Kyle Davidson go into that 2025 class and spend because if anybody is bored and needs something to go look at, go over to cap friendly, go sort it to the 2025, 26 class, whatever, do what you got to do. But holy shit, that free agency class is loaded right. with it, really good players. Right. I think the dynamics might change. And it would probably change Kyle Davidson's course of action a little bit if that class wasn't as you know boisterous as it looks on paper, at least right now. 100%. Sure, guys can sign extensions with their current teams within there. But other things can happen. But um, when you go and look at it, I, I pair that with the Blackhawks timeline here and trying to mesh that. What's When you're, when is your big addition coming in and when are these prospects blossoming? blossoming into actual full-time NHLers because we just talked about these world juniors guys. That's all great. And I see a lot of Frank Nazar and Oliver Moore hype and all of this. That's all fine and dandy, but they are not here yet. And they're not ready yet. And they're not going to be ready next season. I guarantee it. Maybe Frank Nazar has an outside shot, but I would sure as shit bet that Oliver Moore goes back to school, right? Like things like that. So uh, think about timeline, think about, um, you know, the past situation too, and the management of the cap and, Think about what you want going forward for this team for building sustained success, which is what they're trying to do in the long run. That's what I've got here. All right. Uh, a good kind of dual tag team there uh, on the ruffle some feathers. Now on to something a little more positive, some stick taps. Uh, who, who you got, Ron? Uh, just the just the boys, the boys in general and the boys of the Blackhawks. Uh, just stick taps for a big win on Sunday. I, I think, you know, in the grand course of the season, in the grand course of the rebuild, it's going to be a game that gets forgotten. But not only to get up for an early start, which is one of the ones that Johnny and I both very, very notably hate here at Four Feathers, but to get up and do it to a decent Calgary Flames team, do it in front of a sold out crowd at the United Center, just to get up, get the energy. And despite the the adversity, despite Connor Bedard and Nick Foligno not being there for that locker room to rally and say, boys, let's go out and get a W. And they took care of business on Sunday. You'll love to see it. Big stick taps to the entire locker room for rebounding after two pitiful games in the New York metropolitan area. Uh, and obviously dealing with that injury news as well to a couple of your top players. Yeah, right. I like it. Uh, I'll go zero in on Colin Blackwell, a guy we talked about a couple of times earlier on in this episode, but he got that uh, uh, chain uh, for the player of the game within the Blackhawks locker room. So that was pretty cool to see after Sunday's win. Um, He's got, what, three goals now in his last three games here um, with the two-goal performance on Sunday, helping lead the charge for that victory that you just talked about there. Um, You know, it was a long road back for him. I expect him to be back by training camp. That's what his initial timeline was given after he had sports hernia surgery that cut 
short his first season with the Blackhawks. So for him to fight through that, uh, get back in, he had talked previously about it being a little emotional. He missed being out there with the guys and he, you know, was frustrated with how long it was taking. Uh, but when he came back, obviously that first game uh, against the Avalanche provided that spark, especially at the very end, the big hit on Nathan McKinnon. Uh, and then now you're seeing it show up on the score sheet too. Um, because you know, that, that, you know, you can still affect a game with, without getting on the score sheet, but it's going to be remembered much more in the minds of everyone uh, when you do get on the score sheet. And he's shown a little bit of skill there too. Like you were talking about a nice little snipe there from the uh, uh, left circle and his first goal on Sunday. And then shit, uh, the only highlight of the game for the Blackhawks on Thursday, I thought that move that he pulled off uh, on the partial break was really nice too. Kind of going backhand to forehand and stuffing that thing home uh, with some speed coming in there. So stick taps, Colin Blackwell finding his rhythm again here. All right. Uh, on to our last segment of the show, Ron. Let's take a look at what's on tap next. It'll be Tuesday as the blizzard rolls in. So do the Edmonton Oilers. They're coming to town. 7.30 p.m. puck drop. It's ESPN Plus slash Hulu exclusive. So uh, make sure you're looking over there for the game and not on NBC Sports Chicago. But, Ron, this one's always a big one. McJesus, Dry Daddy coming into the UC. Uh, it's going to be a fun one, and luckily I will be in attendance for it. Thanks to you. <laughs> Yeah, hey, and and I'm glad. And and Johnny, I just a couple words on this one. Obviously, it's not going to have the same, I think, flair and excitement as if uh, the other Connor was on the ice, and that being by Connor Bedard. But um, yeah, anytime you get two of the best players in the NHL and the UC, it's always a good one. And the Hawks usually play the, the Edmonton Oilers well too, especially at home. I don't know what it is. Doesn't matter what their team looks like. They always put up a good fight against the boys from Edmonton. And Johnny. As the blizzard rolls in, uh, you know what the best way to probably watch this game, if you're willing to bear the elements, is instead of going over to ESPN Plus and Hulu, just go to the United Center. Go check out the game and uh, go take it in in person. Usually that's the best way to take in a hockey game. If not, as you always say, sync up John and Troy, and then you have nothing to Yeah. Play. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, after that, uh, Hawks will be at Winnipeg on Thursday, 7 p.m. puck drop on NBC Sports Chicago, and then uh, against Dallas Stars on Saturday. One of those great Saturday night home games. One of my favorites. Love those. 7 p.m. puck drop, NBC Sports Chicago for that one as well. Just as we did for the last round of games uh, on our show last week, Ron, how do you see the Blackhawks faring in this three-game stretch? Johnny, I, I unfortunately think the firepower of the Edmonton Oilers is going to be too much on Tuesday night. Uh, I'm expecting it to be a close game, but I, I think ultimately Edmonton comes out on top. Winnipeg's one of the best teams in the league, um, but I think the Hawks might get the best of them, maybe when they're not prepared for them. Um, that's certainly a game they could win. I don't think they necessarily will win, yeah. but I think they could win. Um, and then, Johnny, I, I think about a Saturday night home game at the UC, and I think of the Christian Bale, the the gift. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I that's what I think of when I see that. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe the Saturday night fever will will uh collide with the Blackhawks and they'll win some games. That being said, oh one and two is my prediction, Johnny. <laughs> We're gonna get two overtime hockey games in the next three. Uh, but the Blackhawks might come out on the other side of that, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. When you go and look at like the game that they won there, it's kind of, you know, took a couple of lucky bounces. And it's not to discredit from their effort because I did, you know, like how they pulled together as a group, even if it was a ragtag group. Um, but when you're doing that again, you know, the Flames are a middling team. Just put it like it is. That, that's what they are. They're a middle of the road team. They should probably blow it up. That's, you know, when you're looking at team statuses, whereas these next three are all contenders. The Oilers had a brutal start to the season, fired their coach, um, shot back up the standings, carried on the back of McJesus and Dry Daddy. And uh, they're, they're going to bring a lot of firepower. I really hope I see a win, but I'm not counting on it. So I'll count that one as a loss. Uh, Winnipeg, Connor Hellebuck is playing out of his mind, and I don't know when that's going to stop. So I will go with a loss at Winnipeg there. But when they come back, 
for that Saturday night game against the Dallas Stars. I know it's a very formidable opponent. I know Dallas wants to be creeping up those standings even further. However, I think the Blackhawks will take that loss that they had on New Year's Eve. Personally, use the energy from a Saturday night game in the building and pull out a one-goal win over the Stars. So I'll go one, two, and oh on the stretch. And Ron, it's a Saturday night energy that does it for me. That's the deciding factor against the Stars because I was at a game earlier this year, Saturday night game, early November against the Florida Panthers. They had no business winning the game, but they came out on heads on fire, scored three goals in the first period. Connor Bedard scored a fourth, you know, uh, th- their fourth goal. They were off to the races uh, and they were able to pull away. And I believe they got a two goal win over the Panthers there. Didn't have any business winning it, but they did. I'm hoping the same for this Saturday night affair against the Stars. Yeah, we would love to see it, Johnny. And like you said, that that Saturday night energy in the UC, it, it really does hit different. So hopefully the boys can take that advantage. I think they did that on Sunday with a, a sellout crowd. And I think we're going to continue to see some really good crowds. And especially a Saturday night game, it's going to be a good crowd at the UC. Uh, so would love to see a, a win over the Dallas Stars so they can take a the Chelsea dagger playing at the American airlines center yeah. and shove it up their ass. Yeah. The, to whoever the UC DJ is absolutely needs to crank it a little bit louder, you know, put it from 10 to 11. It goes, this one goes to 11. These speakers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they need to do in response to that. So that'll about do it for season five, episode 21 of the four feathers podcast. We appreciate all of you tuning in wherever it may be. YouTube, Facebook X, uh, we, uh, jump in the comments next time. Uh, we'd love to feature your takes here. We can put them up right below us on the stream here. So subscribe on YouTube at on sportsnet and like us over at Facebook at the same handle. And you can find us on X at four feathers pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. As always, ONTAPSportsnet.com is the place to go for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. We're out of time for today. Until next time, Ron, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby.